0: edition of the Big Red Elite Podcast, our first in-season edition of the Big Red Elite Podcast in 2020, at least for the football season. Uh, My name is Presley Meyer. I'm joined by my co-host, Jacob Blaine. How are we, Jacob? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? I am incredible. Um, We finally have football weather.
1: We got to attend football in person. It was amazing. And,
0: And we went to football in person, so you can't ask for much more. We drank, we drank beer in Cardinal Stadium, which hopefully our guests this week, at some point, um, will get to drink a beer in Cardinal Stadium instead of sweating his ass off and us just clapping and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show. Second week in a row, Gigi Robinson. How are you, sir? Good, my man. That definitely sounds
2: good. You gotta have me a cold one in, uh, in uh, Cardinal Stadium for the one time.
1: Have you ever had a beer from Cardinal Stadium? never no okay so it's not never one of those about it. you didn't go to any of the concerts or anything when you were a student there nope
2: and even and- if i did i probably wouldn't be trying to be seen drinking a beer so i want to have one
1: <laughs> yeah i gotta tell you man the beer at cardinal stadium has i don't know if it's got drugs in it but it is it is crack it, it is different huh <laughs> it is there is a reason why fans are late getting there and are always gone from their seats because the beer <laughs> is crack but let's Let's start, uh, just we'll keep this kind of simple, Gigi. Biggest takeaway, uh, overall impressions of what you saw on Saturday? Basically
2: that the offense looked very well, like as expected, definitely expected uh, a big season out of the offense, and they looked really well. The defense looked very good as well. Obviously, everybody knows uh, that the special teams need to step it up a little bit, but I have no doubt in my mind that they're getting that corrected in the locker room this week and on the practice field this week. I'm sure part of it was – just jitters, first game jitters from uh, Lupo. But I mean, come on, I was first college star ever. So I'm sure it was a little jittery, but I'm sure it'll be better next week. And I'm sure special is gonna be a problem.
1: Well, and I, I would think that punting out of your own end zone would probably be a tricky place to punt for the first time. I had a feeling that he was going to drop the ball or something, like it was going to get blocked. It, it was just one of those things where it kind of – had a feeling that something was going to go wrong. Now, for it continue to happen is a completely different story. Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But for me, the biggest takeaway, I, I would say it's just, again, for the second year in a row, and we talked about this a lot last week, Gigi, was the ability to take away the run. We all knew, everybody in that building knew what Western Kentucky was going to do. They were going to line up. They were going to run the football with Pigram and with Walker. And once again, Louisville shut them down. Um, Walker even had a, you know, besides the touchdown that was on the one yard line that Louisville gifted him, had a worse game than he did last year. And this is a guy who's coming off a 1200 yard season. Quarterback is a guy who's fast, can make plays. We saw it at times when he got some space, but kudos to the defense, man, for their, their speed was uh, on full display. And Gigi, my friend, I got to give you credit for the Monty Montgomery plug last week because he looked like the best player on the field anytime he was on the field. Um, he's, him and Yaya Diaby were the two guys that, to me, stood out the most. I think C.J. Avery probably had the best game, and, and Dorian Etheridge, they both played really well. But, uh, man, that defense is fast. They are fast. Now, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when a team can throw the football because I don't really know if we got to see how good the secondary is going to be Presley. But, uh, for me, the speed of the defense was, was the, the biggest takeaway of the night, and that's not even mentioning the offense.
0: I mean, if, if we're talking the biggest takeaways, right, like I, I think that it's kind of our job as somebody on the outside who's trying to break down the game and trying to figure out who's going to – where you should improve. I think that if you take away um, kind of 14 points that, that Louisville gifted, gifted Western Kentucky, the seven points they scored was with five minutes left in the game, the, the big takeaway for me is that the offense was exactly what we expected and kind of just threw the brakes on at, at the end of the game and kind of ran the clock out a little bit. And the defense was a little bit above where we expected. Um, I I think that exactly what Gigi said was right. You know, there's continuity in in the coaching staff in this offseason. And Louisville took advantage of that. And they took advantage of um, having an athletic department that did anything and everything they could to get the team back into, you know, back together, back as one unit, probably earlier than almost any other team that they're going to face this year. Um, So I think the combination of those two things, outside of special teams, they did not look rusty at all. That, that's what that's my biggest takeaway is that they would just look ready ready to go if you take away kind of that it's definitely some outliers that, that led to WKU scoring 21 versus um, Louisville giving up 21. so um, that, that that's my biggest takeaway. Um, Gigi I, the, the one thing I wanted to ask you, offensive line Jacob and I were you know we sat with each other in a game our comments especially early on were that, you know, we felt like you could tell that there was a difference without having Tyler Haycraft and without having Makai Becton on, on the edges. However, this week we saw that pro football focus, the, the college version of pro, pro football focus, we always see them putting out their rankings. Last year, I know Tutu, uh, Dez, Mikhail, all those guys made their one of their rankings at some point during the season. But they ranked Louisville's offensive line. Gg, I'm sorry. <laughs> they ranked you. In in their rankings at some point during the season, you got that Twitter shout out, got that Twitter love. Additionally, this season, they started off number one in pro football focus. I personally felt that I didn't feel like that Louisville was the number one offensive line in the country on Saturday. I thought that we saw improvement as the game went on, but I mean, you look at the the first drive, I, I believe it was the first drive or the second drive where a defensive end got, got to Cunningham. He fumbled the ball. Luckily, you know, somebody fell on the ball. In your opinion, after that long-winded um, explanation. Yeah, where's the question at, my friend? No, I got the question. I got the question. Okay. All right. no, all right. In your opinion, do you feel like Louisville was the number one offensive line, or do you think they're, they were – you see the way they performed as being above average, or do you think that there's still areas where they can work on? So, I'm with you.
2: When I thought it was going to be a long game, when I seen Malik get hit super hard in the back and cough up the ball – And we were super lucky to to jump on it.
0: Yes. Because
2: I definitely, when I seen that, I was like, oh, my goodness, what do they have going on? Like, I'm like, I know they're missing some guys right now. But I definitely think they stepped it up. Like, um, I didn't think the running game got going as it needed to. But I definitely felt like that the offensive line stepped it up as much as they needed to. Who am I to say that? I didn't watch every single down from all the, I know the pro football focus guys, they sit down, they're watching every single clip, evaluating every single player. I didn't do all that, so I can't sit here and say they weren't the number off the line. I definitely think they look good, and I think that's all credit to uh, Coach Leford because, like, we, like I said last week, they're not going to wow you with their size. They're not going to wow you with their speed. Like, it's all about technique and coaching that they're getting from Coach Ledford. He's He has the, the right plan for those guys, for, for the skill set that his guys have. He has the right plan to make them uh, excel, and that's exactly what happened this week.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the numbers back up a little bit of, you know, how dangerous Western Kentucky's defensive line looked early. And I got to say that that's an experienced defensive line. D'Angelo Malone was the conference USA player of the year last year and uh, was one of the top uh, sack getters in the country. So you're talking about a a formidable line. It's not some, some line of, you know, some scrubs, but they finished with, with 10 tackles for, for loss. They had one sack, a couple more quarterback hurries. I mean, they were, they were making plays early Uh, kudos to them. Um, but Louisville figured it out. You know, they, I saw that they were rotating uh, cam to George in there for Robbie bell. Um, they had a couple of other guys that got in and got snaps. You know, I saw Adonis get beat a couple of times. I saw Renato Brown get beat a couple of times, but those guys never hung their their hats. They, you know, they kept pushing and kept playing and, um, it looks like Louisville, obviously, you know, GG, Maybe this is something that's that's obvious, but it seems like the offensive line gets a little bit more confidence as the as the offense starts to move the football, whether that be through big plays in the air uh, or just some of the the you know the ground pickups that they had. But you could tell their their confidence improved as the game went on. Uh, and once again, man, talk about Malik being dangerous. Uh, you know, I think it was the the stat he led the country last year in clean pocket passing when they gave him time to throw the football. It was unreal. Uh, what he did and I, I've got to say this the Des Fitzpatrick catch I still don't understand right. how he got that ball I've seen the tape now the defensive back backed up a little bit got scared of the football and Des kind of coming at the same time but man that play the the, the first play to Braden Smith I think it was on a third down where they bailed us out um the offense was was really hitting and the, the the run game, you mentioned that. You know, it never really felt like they were a big part of the game, but yet there they you know they carried the the time of possession and, and really were able to dominate the line of scrimmage late. So I think that there was a lot of good takeaways. But moving into week two, I think that there's a lot of improvement that's got to take place. And the the first place, and let's talk about this for a little bit, GG, is special teams. As a as a defensive player, how deflating is it? Uh, are you, you know, you you've gotten a little bit of a rest, the punter comes out botches a snap they they fumble whatever happens and you guys got to go back out onto the field how does that one like how do you keep yourself from getting frustrated at a punter when he does it multiple times obviously i know that all the players on the team want to be supportive and be there but like how does how do you guys deal with that and then how do you move forward um you know going back out there and having to fight off of somebody else's mistakes
2: you're most definitely going to be frustrated and mad at the punter that's always going to happen like i mean shoot uh you're always going to be mad at the punter. Like Mason was is with my roommate, was my roommate. Sometimes he would have a bad punt. And obviously I'd be mad, like I'm mad because that's field position, that, that's hidden yardage. That that hurts That hurts your defense, that hurts your team. But obviously you have to go up to, like I always go up to whoever had the bad punt. So in my situation with Mason, you always got to go lift them up. Because if you are to just, everybody's mad at him and he's coming to the sideline, everybody's like cursing at him and whatnot. It's going to happen again and again and again, and you're just going to keep getting mad. So all you have to do is build them up. You know that they went through a whole off season of training just like you. They, they practice it every single day. They didn't mean to mess up, obviously. They're not trying to do that. So just got to build them up and know that and still have the confidence in them that next time they go out there, that will be a much better result.
1: Yeah, and then it's not – I think Louisville fans wanted to obviously kind of point at Logan Lupo and obviously two fumbled snaps. And uh, Scott Satterfield said in his press conference yesterday that you know there were some protection issues on the second one. Uh, But the special teams as a whole was not good. I mean, the punt return, Rajay never really got a chance to get going, which I still – Presley and I, every time he went out on the field, we've got to be the only school in the country that's got a linebacker returning punts. I I would be willing to bet maybe the first linebacker ever – to return punts, but he never really got a chance to get going. Um, You know, I've never played high-level football, so I don't know where that falls and, you know, whether that's them taking him away or, you know, just things not being opened up and created. And then Hassan had the the really bad play coming out of the end zone on the kick return where he, you know, went went east and west and finally lost, you know, a ton of field position, ended up by by the goal line. And so the special teams as a whole, they really need a lot of work. And so, you know, obviously, Gigi, I know you play defense, but what does a week look like, you know, for a group – you say it's the defense, right? We can use them as an example. Last last year, after the Miami game, where it's so obvious that things went wrong, where do you start? Like, do, do you just go back to to square one? Did the you do the coaches pull up all of the bad tape and make you watch each play and kind of walk through it? How does a How does a college football coach help teach a player through mistakes so that those don't happen again? So
2: it starts that Sunday. You you travel back on Saturday night, and Sunday you're back in the meeting room. It starts all on Sunday in meeting room. You're going to have a meeting with the whole defense. Everybody's going to watch your plays. So say one person messed up, everybody's watching it. Everybody's seeing exactly what you did wrong. It's not a chewing out session, but basically that's like everybody's showing you, coach is showing everybody what you did wrong and how you need to improve it, especially for you and anybody else who's going to play your position. And then it goes on to the practice field because on Sunday nights, I know, straight the first, like, 15 to 20 minutes is all corrections. Before you even move on – before they even move on to Miami, they're about to be in full – on Sunday, it was full corrections with from uh, WKU. So any bad plays they had, same exact formation, same exact play, same exact route, go make a play on it if, you di- if it didn't happen. Like, if you weren't in your get- right gap, you're in the right gap this time. So it's – you recreate those same exact plays, showing
0: them that you can make the play, and you just didn't do it right, and it'll be fixed. I love that. My, my, my follow-up question that naturally would be, however, is there anything to be said about not getting enough work in special teams with this short offseason? Jacob brought up that Hall, that Hassan Hall you know, had a couple of questionable kickoff returns. Uh, one was fumbled that you didn't even mention, Jacob, that he just had to fall on. Another one where he probably shouldn't have come out of the end zone. I just feel like they just were not sharp at all on special teams across the board. And I feel like there were enough mistakes that like should be a spread across the season. Like That's the amount of st- mistakes that, that they committed. Is there anything to be said about maybe the first game, especially being rusty on special teams? Or is that something that you work on an equal amount in practice?
2: Uh, one thing I can say, this staff, they work on special teams more than we ever had. In my five years of being there, they work on special teams a lot. And so I definitely wouldn't say, I mean, obviously I wasn't in practice this year to know, but I definitely would think that they're working on special teams just as much as they are offense and defense. So there's no, like, there's no, there's there's no excuse for it, but I think that they'll be back practicing and
1: locking in on it. They'll spend even more time on it this week. And I know that coaches don't have them right. It's one of those things where, you know, far worse, right. Had that been somebody a little bit better, uh, maybe they would have taken more advantage of other opportunities and been able to secure the lead. But I, I never felt like uh, those put Louisville out of the game. Um, I, if anything, I think it was a bigger challenge to the defense, right? We know what the offense can do. Gave the defense more opportunities to show up. But one question I, I want to talk about Monty Montgomery uh, for a few seconds, because obviously like I highlighted earlier, that was a guy that you talked to a little bit about um, last week. And, and as I said, I think that you know he stood out. He was the best player on the field in my mind on Louisville's defense. He was everywhere. And he's a guy who plays situationally, obviously, with CJ and Dorian back there. But just for the for the listeners, the best you can describe the difference in the roles that Dorian, CJ and Monty play or what they're what the coaches are relying on each one of them to do, because I thought they all play really well. Um, they, you know, obviously, the running game speaks for itself. But tell me a little bit about what you know in that defensive, what those three guys are tasked with and how it's different.
2: So their tasks are completely different. Like, they're not called to do the same thing at all. Only people who may be called to do the same thing are CJ and uh, Dorian. Dorian's obviously the leader of the defense. He's a middle linebacker. And CJ is the captain in his own right. So they're all leaders out there. Um, Monte's a specialist. Like, he is a specialist. He specializes in – obviously, he can do a whole lot of things, but he's a specialist in one thing, which is rushing and passer. And his speed mixed with his bend, mixed with his hands, everything – it all just, he's a pass rusher and he's natural. He's a, he's a natural pass rusher. So they're all asked to do different things. And Monty's happens to be rushing a passer. And I remember on one of his sacks, it was, it was um, he was a spy on the play. I, I uh, obviously don't remember what the play is called, but I just know that he's not rushing on that play. He's a spy. So he took two steps up the field and was sitting there. And then the quarterback tried to rush out the pocket and he's so fast that he got there like he was a rusher on the play. He wasn't rushing on the play. He was a spy, and he still got there with swiftness.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was impressive, man. He was everywhere. Uh, but one of the things that before we move into Miami, that I want to just ask as a former defensive lineman is, and we've written this, and I think it's something that we heard Mark Ivy say last year. Maybe a, you know a writer from App State who was kind of tasked with um, describing to Louisville fans. The new staff, but we heard the defensive line. Their primary job is not going to reflect their uh, how well they've played based off of stats, right? A lot of it is gap fill, being able to make sure that you're in the right place to prevent big big plays rather than disrupting in the backfield. Um, The defensive line didn't look like they were getting much push in terms of a pass rush. Is that correct? Did I see that? Or uh, in your mind, do you think that they were, you know, showing signs of being able to get consistent pass rush and uh, make plays and running plays in the backfield?
2: Obviously, I'm sure that they wouldn't be happy with the amount of pressure they got. Obviously, Coach Ivy's going to want more sacks than they had. I'm not sure how many they had. I'm not sure how many they had. I'm just uh, positive that Monty had two. And I know Coach Ivy's obviously going to keep harping on them about rushing the passer. It's not a big deal. It's the first game of the season. I'm sure it'll get better by game. And that's all you can do is hope that you keep improving. All
1: right, let's let's look at Miami now because um, Louisville heads into a real, real test in Week Two. There's no FCS game or any type of filler. This is this is the real deal. ACC and Miami is a game. Last year, um, Gigi, just to give you perspective of of the fans and people covering the game, that was a game with a lot of expectation. I can't remember exactly where that fell and who was the week before, but um, I remember going into that game thinking that Louisville was about to, to pull off a big win on the road in prime time. Uh, and that game very quickly was obvious that that was not going to happen. And obviously we talked about this a little bit last week, you know, there was one thing here, the Marlin character play where, you know, the, the ghost spooked him. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Uh, and there was tons of things that just it allowed for Jaron Williams to get ahead, but the offense was competitive. I I thought that that game had, you know, maybe some big plays not happened early on. It was a little bit, would have been a little bit different, but take me back to what you remember about last year's matchup with Miami Obviously, their team's a little bit different. They got a new quarterback, a couple of different skill position players. But just give the, the audience a little bit of what you remember about that game.
2: Well, just like you said, it was a rough start. Did, but uh, going back to what you said, I don't remember. It was a lot of hype around that game, and I don't remember who we played beforehand.
1: Was it Virginia, or was that too soon? I, I want to say that that might be right because I know the game was later in the season. As we uh, won. So we must have had, had a big
0: yeah, and right right
1: before Syracuse. So you had those two big home games. Yeah,
2: so we had a big game, and then we're going into Miami. wanted to win that one as well, which would have been a huge win. Obviously, I mean, I felt like emotions were super high. Like, a whole lot of our players are from Miami or down South Florida. Everybody was excited to play, and I just felt like the emotions were a little too high. Like, you know, you can't be too high or too low going into a game, and I felt like our emotions were a little too high going into the game. We just dug ourselves a hole that we couldn't get out of. Like, if we would have got down, like if that same exact sequence would have happened versus a WKU, we can get out of that. But it's hard to get out of digging yourself a hole in the first quarter. Like, as soon as that happens, it's, I'm not, it's not over. You obviously can come back. Like, last year, was it last year or the year before? We got down real bad to uh, Florida State and really bad. Like, I'm thinking it's like 21 to 0. Yeah. And that's against a uh, maybe not a high caliber team, but high profile players you're playing against that you have to dig, you got to come out of a hole on that's really tough to happen. And you like versus Miami last year, they were too good for you to get down on and try to come back, especially with the defense they had. It was a, uh, it was tough. It was going to be a, it, it should have
0: been a barn burner, but it wasn't.
2: And it was mainly because we came
0: out real soft. Is there anything to, to speak to the field in Miami? I know this sounds weird, right? But do you approach a game differently with them having a natural turf, is that to me? It just felt, it felt like in that game everybody was just a step slow, and I don't know if that's if that's just the emotion or that's just that's just me just making stuff up.
2: Nah, yeah, I, I don't know how you knew, but the field was terrible. The field was awful. I don't know if I, I know it had rained. I don't know if that was why, but everybody was slipping. Nobody could keep their feet. I changed into a new pair of cleats after the very first drive. I couldn't keep my feet. It was terrible. I definitely didn't like that. But I mean, obviously they're playing with the same exact turf we're playing with. So it's not an excuse, but you're right. That was a terrible, terrible turf.
0: I mean, to, to me, you know, like if you think about like some of these great, really fast teams, Louisville is, is built to play fast on offense right. and defense. Mm-hmm. And so you saw the two games that they were, that you guys were wedged between you had a fine defensive performance against Virginia. Um, the offense played fine against Virginia in the rain. Um, and then you had a, an excellent game against Syracuse and that you just have this this off game in Miami, I think that just there were a lot of factors that went, in, went into that more than just on the field stuff. You know, like you said, so many guys from Florida, so many guys getting a chance to play maybe their first college game in, in front of their family or in front right. of their friends. Um, and then I, stuff like that I think factors in. And I, I know when I think of having a bad field, the two worst fields that I've ever seen, college or pro, are in Miami and Pittsburgh. I to me those to those two yeah. just, just stand out as the two worst. Yeah.
2: But it's going to be the same this week. It's college game is coming. Like a whole lot of people haven't played in front of college game day. I know they have a whole lot of young people. I think the last time we
1: had college game day, I remember I had it 2017. Had it. That was the last time the Clemson game 2017. Yeah. All right. So we had it
2: we had it 2016 2017. We had it a, a good bit, but most of those guys on the team hadn't had it. Obviously, it'll be much different type of college game day this go around because of COVID and everything, but Man, if it was normal, it would be a whole lot of distractions. Having college game day, everybody's up at 5 a.m., everybody's on campus. Like, it's just the biggest thing there is. Miami is the biggest game this week.
1: Okay, so that's a great, great point you make there. And let's – because you got to experience both 2016 and 17. Take me back to those games. Game day's here. Both of them are huge. Uh, You know, obviously Florida State's ranked number two. I think Clemson might have been number one at the time. Take me back to the two game day experiences. How much does it does it factor into anything if if at all Um, in 2016 what was different for your all's team versus in 2017 maybe it's just opponent but was there anything in terms of you mentioned energy being too high too low. Um, Take me back to those two game day experiences and and how you think that that uh, translates into you know impacting games.
2: I'd definitely say, I mean, it's crazy. Like the whole week leading up to it is crazy. The college game day, big old uh, tractor trailer gets there. It's parked in front of your facility all week. They're building, I remember 2016, they're building the entire stage for, every day we're walking out of practice, we're seeing them build that huge stage Mm -hmm. for the uh, college game day to go on. It was crazy in 2016. I'm not sure where they did the 2017 stage, but I don't remember it being there. But it was crazy. Like, you walking past it every day. You just know that everybody's so excited for the game, so much hype around it. You know the stadium's going to be packed. Like, it's just crazy. Obviously, going into the game, emotions are going to be super high, more high than normal. But it played into our advantage uh, versus Florida State because we came out super hot. Obviously, emotions being too high and too low, you definitely can – it can, like, have a positive or a negative effect on you. Like, Miami last year, it was negative. But Florida State that year, it was – Everybody was focused, but everybody was super pumped up for the game and it it, uh, uh, played into our favor.
0: I am going to say probably the same thing as you, Jacob. I kind of want to get into the ins and outs of the game itself. A little bit of a challenge, a little bit of a step up in quarterback play, in my my opinion, Uh, going to De'Eric King. I'm not sure if you know much of the background as far as De'Eric King's career goes, but he played in in Houston, I believe, for his first three years, and he's a graduate transfer. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob. That's correct. Uh, But this is a guy who chose – to sit out last season in Houston so that he could go and be a part of a power five team last week, 15 for 23, one touchdown, 141 yards passing, not super impressive, but 12 rushes for 83 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Can you speak at all to, especially in this, in this Louisville defense, in this, in this three, four front, what are the challenges to playing against a running quarterback like Derek King?
2: Um, obviously it adds a whole nother factor into the game. Of course, I mean, and if Miami's any smart, they're going to look at the Kentucky film from last year, running quarterback. That's exactly what they're going to do. That's what every school is going to do if they have a halfway decent quarterback that can run. They're going to look at the Kentucky film. We started preparing on Kentucky right after, I mean, after Kentucky game, we started trying to fix exactly what happened because obviously nobody wants to give a 500 yards rushing Like, that's, that's insanity. Like, it adds a whole new dimension into the game, and I just feel like they just got to uh, shut down the run. As soon as you shut down the run, and you make them pass the ball, you got to make them one-dimensional. You got to make a, a running quarterback one-dimensional, make them throw the ball. That gives yourself the best chance to win. And I feel like if they can do that, then I feel like we'll, we'll be fine in this game. Either way, I feel like they'll be fine. They're going to have big plays. You just
1: got to learn how to react to the big plays. Can't can't
2: hang your heads. But they're definitely going to have explosive plays. It just that happens.
1: Against UAB, they ran the ball 52 times total for 337 yards. Obviously, last year – depth was a big issue we heard about that time and time again uh, whether that be on the defensive line offensive line uh, but the defensive line I think was the most impacted at least to my eye by depth and um, having to rotate in and out and so tell me what happens when a team runs the ball 52 times how hard that is if you don't have depth to try to, to keep going over and over and over again
2: I'm not sure that depth was really an issue last year because of how much Kojavi Coach, Coach loves to rotate so regardless he's going to rotate So your three starters are obviously your three starters, but your twos and your threes are playing just as much, almost, as your starters. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but that's the truth. Uh, All last season and I noticed the last game, whenever the offense subs out, Ivy's going to send a defensive lineman in to slow down the game. He's going to do that every single time. So it's not super, like, as long as you have good quality depth, you'll be fine because you can throw somebody in, And because you're always going to rotate, so it slows it down a little bit. And as long as you have a quality player you throw in right behind them, then you should be fine. But where you get in trouble is sometimes when you don't have good quality of depth, but you're still rotating. So if you're rotating and not, like, having your best players out there, that sometimes will hurt you.
1: Yeah, so Brevin Jordan, uh, the tight end for Miami, is the big threat guy there now. Obviously, last year they had Jeff Thomas and KJ Osborne who had big games, but uh, Brevin Jordan is at, clearly, in my mind, the number one tight end in America. He is, you know, what you look for in an NFL tight end. Tell me a little bit about how the defense goes covering tight ends. Uh, you know, I know from years past that Dorian was a guy who got picked on a lot for not being able to cover. Um, and some of the other guys who, you know, Kane Pass is another name that comes to mind that was, you know, an off uh, somebody would pick on, you know, with tight ends and bigger receivers. But tell me how uh, in this defense they're going to go about taking away somebody like that.
2: Oh, man. That's a good question because I'm trying to think uh, what rings a bell of who we played that was super-duper explosive that we had to shut down. That was like – that was a tight end type. Well, than- I
1: – I was going to say, so last year, you know, one of the reasons why, back up here, one of the reasons why I've picked Louisville to be upset by Boston College later this year is because the tight ends last year with Boston College. I mean, they—they. They, I don't know if it was the the, the the slant routes over the middle, the crossing patterns, but they were a team that, that popped off as not being able to cover the tight ends. There's been others in the last couple of years where uh, they've had big games. Joshua Simon had the 77-yard catch at Western Kentucky last year. So, um, you know, there's obviously uh, trying to take definitely- away tight end as a challenge.
2: We can uh, – we definitely can bet a beer on that because Louisville's not losing to Boston College this year.
1: Okay, all right. That's why I <laughs> – look, I, we can talk about that a little bit more another time because that's not the only reason. There's more reasons to that. Well,
2: yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, uh, that they have tight ends. Uh, it's always hard to guard because they have so many of them on the field at once. But when you have one on the field at once, like Miami's going to have, usually it's easier to lock in on somebody like that. Obviously, I'm not sure – I mean, I nothing really rings a bell on how you how – how exactly in this defense they do it. But I know Coach Brown will have a plan for it. Obviously, he's a hot topic this week in the, in the room. They know what they have to do. He's a big-time player. Like you said, he's going to be a first-round pick this year. And he's not somebody to just look over. So this week, all they're doing is they're talking about him a good bit. they got to stop the uh, quarterback run. And he, uh, the Titan will be a big threat as well. So they're going to have to stop a whole lot of things.
0: My next natural question then would be, what are you looking for, for Louisville to do on offense to kind of combat? Um, I I know that Miami has their best player. Jacob, remind me what, what Miami's
1: Gregory Rousseau is the the kid you're talking about. I'm
0: not not sure if you remember Rousseau from last year, but he is just going back to the offense for just a second. What do you think um, Louisville has to do to kind of step, step up? I, I know last year, you know, you, like you said, they wanted to match offense for defense and it just didn't work out that way. What do, you, what do you think that Louisville needs to do this year as far as their game plan on offense goes? To
2: slow, down, to slow down pass rushers, you have to establish the run. can't establish the run. You let pass rushers pin their ears back, and they know you're passing the ball. If you get in situations like third and 15, third and 10-plus Louisville is at a pure disadvantage because they have super athletic uh, defensive ends and things like that. You have to get it yourself in situations. Obviously, you're going to get to third downs but you need to have third and manageables. So you got to have third and six or less where you could either run the ball or pass the ball to, to pick up the first down. And so pass rushers don't know exactly what exactly are you are doing. So on first and second down, Louisville's got to be able to run the football. That's a big part of Louisville's offense. Obviously, they're not going to stop running the football just for Miami. So you have to run the football. And if, as long as they can establish the run and don't find themselves in obvious passing situations, then they're going to be fine. That should be. I mean, obviously, that's the most simple game plan there is, and that's exactly what they're going to do.
1: I see this game as being um, a, a real opportunity to be a momentum shifter for Louisville. Um, last year, I thought that you guys looked different against some of the teams who really got uh, a hold of you the year before, who shouldn't have. Right? Wake Forest is a perfect example. They look y'all looked different against them. There was times where motivation. Look to be on your side, like that was something that was kind of fueling you. In your mind, are these guys, are they going to keep that Miami score in the back of their head and allow that to be something that drives them as they're, you know, getting tired or as their backs against the wall? Like, do you see motivation playing a factor here?
2: Yeah, I'm sure Coach Mike has some type of thing they're putting in, some type of saying he's putting in their ear about something. I'm, I'm sure the score is in the locker room somewhere, might be in everybody's locker. That's something they do, I'm sure. They're everybody that's going to be in everybody's head. They know that they're going to be fired up for the game. Obviously, you don't want to lose the Miami two in a row. Obviously, they have a whole lot. We have a whole lot of people from Miami. Obviously, they want to get the win. It's a it's not so much Miami and payback. It's this season. They know what they what this season could bring. And they have to go out there and mean business when they uh, take the field.
0: It's about time to get out of here. But we, get, we can't get, let you get out of here without getting a prediction. How do you think this game goes? How do you think it plays out? Louisville minus two seems a little bit
2: too easy. Uh, I definitely think Louisville is going to beat them by seven plus. I don't think it'll be as long as Louisville can run the ball. As long as Louisville runs the ball and doesn't make any mistakes on special teams, clean and flawless game on special teams, Louisville shouldn't have a problem. I feel like they'll be all right. I watched uh, Miami versus UAB not saying I wasn't impressed. Obviously, it was the first game of the season, so they may be a little rusty. They were way more rusty than Louisville was, especially offensively and defensively. I think Louisville looks like the better team. Obviously, it's, it's tough to have this type of matchup the second week of the season for either team because one team, you're not getting both teams A game week two. So we'll see who, who comes with their A game. I definitely think that Louisville's going to have it. I don't know what the final score will be, but I, I predict they win by one to seven.
1: All right, I'm going to jump in here, Presley, and answer your question next. This is a game that Louisville is going to win. I've got them winning only by four in my official prediction on the season, but I I agree, Gigi. I think they could win by seven, ten plus. The the focus that I saw on Saturday night is on line with what I expected. Uh, They're a team that got spring practice in at least a little bit. Um, They got to campus earlier than most schools. They've they've not had any shutdowns or disruptions in practice. Uh, Things have been kind of business as usual in this team. The way you listen to them talk about, you know, when the football game is over, they're going back to their their apartments and they're being super serious. They're taking this like a professional season. I expect that mentality to carry over into game day. I think they're going to be hyped. um, And I think that they're going to come out and they're going to play well as opposed to some of the big games that we saw – um no offense Gigi, but during your career you know overhyped was a thing that was a theme that we saw time and time again in big games the alabama and the auburn game come to mind very quickly but um, i think that this is a game louisville is going to be prepared for scott satterfield is really good when he's seen teams for a second and third time this will be his third time playing miami I think that they're going to be able to control Derek King and make him throw enough. Um, And those weapons are not experienced there. And for the first time Louisville has speed to match Miami. I think that you guys were fast last year, but this, this defense is faster. Like they are, they are flying to the football. I think Louisville is going to be able to make enough plays. We saw how they moved the ball last year through the air. UAB's quarterback had success with, with big plays. Uh, I think Louisville is going to be able to win. I'm, I'm going to stick with my prediction on score though and go 27, 23.
2: All right, so usually I'm so, I'm so used to, like, when I speak, like, Rocco's right next to me. I can't get the other team uh, building to board material, things like that. Like I, I forget, <laughs> like, I forget I'm on a podcast. Like, I can say whatever. Like, I'm right, dude, say whatever.
1: Let it go. Let it fly, man.
2: I, I wasn't impressed with Miami last week. I just wasn't impressed at all. I watched the whole game. It was on Thursday night. It was the only game on TV. I watched. I wasn't impressed. And like you said, I, I expected way bigger things out of DR King that I didn't see at all. And I don't know, I just feel like Louisville, Louisville by
0: four is being modest. <laughs> I don't disagree with you. And Look, I think that the, the big thing playing to Louisville's hand is that they just have so many advantages on the field, 1v1 against Miami. I think there's so much more experience. The one thing that I don't think anybody's going to be talking about, that I, it's, it's going to sound goofy, but I think it plays into it a little bit. This is the first time that Miami's going to have to travel anywhere during this COVID pandemic, they're gonna have to get on a plane, go to a hotel, have to deal with all this stuff differently than they've have to have to deal with it before. Um, so to me, that's that's a bit of a distraction. Additionally, I think that Louisville is, is just the better team, and I think they have a lot more motivation um, to to get this W. And so right. for me, I, to me, I, I think it, it's almost a disappointment if they don't get the win. Right. Um, yeah. and it'd be very
2: upsetting. It would be very yeah. upsetting to lose with two. Even though it's a really strong opponent. But yeah, I feel like, and another thing about from the um, WKU game, like I know it may not be said in the locker room, but I'm sure it's spoken of in the in the in the meeting rooms and stuff. The Louisville the score made it way closer than what it really was. Like Louisville easily should have shut them out. All three of those touchdowns could be put on special teams if you really want to be honest. Like the you gave them the ball inside the five-yard line, what, twice? That's yes. 14 points. And then on their on their touchdown drive. The punt put them on, like, the 35, 40-yard line, correct? They didn't have to drop the field, am I right?
0: They, they didn't, and on top of that, too, I don't think it was – and this isn't an excuse, but it was It was definitely not against a full first-team defense. Like, they were yeah, rotating and, guys in. But, and it was just bad field position. Like, terrible. you can't give your team that bad field position. Like, you got to flip your field with the punt, at
2: least get it on the other side of the 50, and it wasn't on the other side of the right. 50. And so, basically, pretty much – the defense bit, didn't give up 21 points, basically.
0: At, at least 17 of those are, are 100% attributable to, to special teams' gaps. I, I think that maybe the final drive you could say, you know, they should have at least held them to a field goal or so, something like that. But, right. but like, like you said, it could have easily been a shutout. It could have been just like the Eastern Kentucky game last year. Um, and, and, but to me, that's encouraging, though. I think that, that, number one, I don't think against a Miami team that you're expecting a shutout. And so with that being the case, that that means that they now have a little bit of red zone defense experience under their belt. They have a little bit of that situational defense experience where when you're normally playing a team that no offense to Western Kentucky, isn't up, up to your standard it, They're you know, they're not on the same level as you are right now. You know, when, right. when you're playing a team like that, you're not going to get those kind of situational experiences like you're going to against Miami, Notre Dame, those types of teams. Um, so that that's another thing that I think kind of played to their hand a little bit, you know, like, Gives them just a little bit of extra added uh, experience and gives them a little motivation, you know. Like next time, you can work closer to that shutout. So, yeah, I mean, to me, I, I just think that there's so many things, so many good things going for Louisville with this being a home game. Given the the, the time that we're in, I, I just I, I feel like it would be a, a massive disappointment if they didn't if they didn't find a way to get a win.
1: But I think we're on the same the same boat. Stars are aligned here for Louisville to get a big win. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all having me. Absolutely. Anytime you guys follow us on Twitter at TheBigRedLouis and catch our work at BigRedLouis.com.